want to mention our main sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. Tonight's episode, special episode, right after the PT, right out of Pro Tour, and we've got lucky enough to have some Pro Tour competitors or some, some people who should have played Pro Tour on the cast. We have a host of strong personalities, and I'm really excited for this episode. We've got my man, Doug Potter, Robin Barry, the first two hosts of the First Strike podcast. How's it going, boys? Oh, it's going good. Rob, why aren't you wearing your First Strike shirt? You're, you're looking a little red over there. Yeah, because... Uh... <laughs> And we're allowed to curse today. Someone's no. a check. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It was uh, it was a fun event with lots of learnings and uh, you know pretty hype, pretty hype couple of decks in the finals. They didn't have red in them. Yes. <laughs> We've also got my my favorite podcast friend Shahid Surani, who's been on more episodes than than possibly anybody guested more more than anybody else. How's it going, my man? Going well, man. You know I love being here. Anytime, any any week. You name it. I know I'm not going to be offended that I only get invited when I have winning records at Pro Tours. I'm not going to be offended by that. So. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm, oh, he can. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd be here if I was, you know, 3-7 also. So he just said that you're the most invited person, and you said you're only invited when you have winning records. Do you just want to brag? Like, was that what that was about? <laughs> that, uh... Most invited? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, actually, uh, I'm, I'm really excited because... This last Pro Tour is the first winning tournament I've had. God, it's been a bit, man. It's controls had a drought, so um, I, I'm pretty excited about standard right now. Even though, um, you know, the hate squad was out when they saw 50% teamer, and I, I think that standard's great. So, okay, we're we're gonna ask you and Doug back and forth about uh, your, your peak experience. I'll, I'll start with you, Sheen. It is true. Guilty as charged. I did look up the standings, saw that you cashed, and go, okay, let's let's guess. If you had just one more, one more, two more losses, you, you weren't coming on tonight. But uh, <laughs> how, tell us, like, how you, you switched teams, and, and how was it to, to no longer be, like, lingering souls and part of card order? Uh, so the way the team series works, really, is, you know, you have to team with like record people, like, like uh, similar uh pro club level so at the end of the season we had a platinum two golds two silvers and one nothing right so um at, at the end of the season you you really I, I before we didn't really need to talk about it i knew lingering souls was kind of done uh, i talked to andreas gans and i asked him to carry the torch um because he wanted to keep the namesake the sponsor and I received a, a, uh, an offer from Card Hoarder prior to the last Pro Tour. So um, I knew I was leaving. Uh, uh, Donald Smith was a Platinum Pro. He's going to go team with others. He's now worked for Wizards, actually. And Travis and Chris Finnell. I think Chris's team was right now, but Travis is doing well with his new squad. He has a top eight berth with already. So, you know, wherever he goes, he's having success. So Lingering Souls is my baby. I loved it. It was it was a wild ride. I mean, I, I milked it for all it's worth personally. <laughs> I got carried to a Pro Tour invite from my my teammates doing well. Um, but now they're back again with Gons carrying the torch, like I said. They got five pretty decent players on there, so I'm still rooting for them. Um, the two of the players on their team are uh, from our former testing squad. They were extended souls. They were uh, <laughs> uh, two players I work with, David Irving. <laughs> Irvine and um, uh, the other gentleman, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's two players that we kind of test with off and on. They're both on there. So I'm, on, I'm with Card Hoarder now. Um, I was approached about it, and I, I heard the roster, and 
I've been boys with Noah Walker forever. Uh, Devin Kepke is awesome. And my, I got my friend Ely Cassis in, who I'm really, really close with. Joe Lissette's awesome. All the Kiefer's are great. Bobby just recently, and he's, he's great too. So um, this team is, is going to be going places. I think we're like maybe 12th in the standings right now. We had a pretty strong first pro tour, uh, two 10-pointers and a six-pointer. Could be better, but, uh, you know, it's for a first pro tour and it's kind of getting our bearing, of, you know, over the internet only testing because we didn't really do any live testing. Uh, I'm pretty happy about how we turned out. So when we, for those of you who haven't watched it, definitely check out the deck tech. They, they actually interviewed Shahid Sarani, go over his Grixis deck, uh, control deck. When they did that, I had to assume, and tell me if I'm wrong, that I had to assume like it was like there was a team deck and then Shaheen did like his little went his little way and was the only guy playing his deck. How true is that? <laughs> Very true. So <laughs> I, I'm going to blame Mike Segrist for this. I know he's, he's kind of stressed out these days, but I'm going to put more stress on him. He gave me a pep talk in a Starbucks about a year ago, and he said, Shaheen, if you play real decks, you would do so much better. He's like, you're a great player. I've seen you play. I know how strong you are. And, you know, if you just play, you handicap yourself these decks and you would do a much better. Brian, BBD has told me this forever too now, but uh, I really appreciate that. I tried real decks and they could not have been more wrong. I am heinous at real decks. I played terribly with red. I played terribly with zombies before that. I played terribly with black, green, delirium. It, I'm good at what I'm good at. <laughs> and and there's, a, there's reason behind it. I, I mean, you have to put in a lot of, you can't just, Magic is not just picking up the net deck and doing great with it. You have to put so much legwork into becoming efficient with Teamer and becoming efficient with Callblade back in the day. I don't care what the best deck is. If you don't put the reps in, you are going to be always at the bottom of the barrel um, with results. I mean, look who won. Seth Manfield won with Teamer. It's not like I won with Teamer or anyone, you know, average or below average. It's the, one of the best players in the world is going to win with Teamer. Sultai, so I know that. I was talking to Matignon before because he they don't have service here, so they wanted me to take a picture of the standings for him. Uh, and he's like, "You're Shaheen Sarani, right?" He's, and he shook my hand. He's like, "I'm a I'm a huge fan of your work and your articles." <laughs> wow. And I'm like, "Wow." So and then he said, "You know, you're part of the club, right?" And he's like, "You, Wafo, me, and <laughs> having my name in there makes me feel so like freaking good." And before this pro tour, I decided I'm going to do it my way because it's not working for me. I know that against the best, I, I can perform with control. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a mad, magnificent tournament. I mean, I had two of my three losses were to red. I played against red or Mardu four times, which is excruciating. Um, but, you know, it's anytime I played teamer, I just mutilated it. So it was a really good choice for this tournament. <laughs> Just wanted to correct you, man. I feel one with with Soltai energy, uh, but but same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're all the same. Thing. Honestly, Soltai, Teamer, anything four color energy, three color energy. They're all the same. I mean, it's really just a change of a swap, a few creatures, and then having different sideboard options. But you know, just that package itself. Any of the energy builds you're going to need to put in ridiculous amounts of rep if you're just going to play uh, the perceived best deck. Okay, I, I I do see the pros of having that notoriety of being called uh, expensive sorcery master and stuff like that. Um, Rob, what what do you have to think to say about Shahid's? Like, I think we would all tell him to just play the best deck, right? <laughs> well, 
So first, I guess I have a question. Was Shoda also on that list of players that uh, refused to play not control decks, even against their yeah. best interests? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So in the, in the names that came up is Wafo, me, Shoda, Yuya, and old Kunio is what we call them. Not new Kunio. Yeah, okay. Old Kunio. Kunio for about 15 years. And then now that's what's left. And there's a, there's a part of me that's really stubborn. And Shoda is another perfect example of someone just absolutely stubborn. And it, I'm sure Shoda, if he played Teamer or Four Color Energy or whatever, he would do fine. But again, it's, it's, it's not just familiarity with the deck. It's, in, it's, it's so many levels. It's enjoyment, familiarity, like we mentioned. It's, control hasn't changed. So my experience 20 years ago with control or 15 years ago with control of countering their spells, killing their creatures, drawing cards, and then playing a win condition, that hasn't changed. It's the same exact thing. It's just different flavors of a, of, you know, as, as formats progress. I mean, Torrential Gear Hulk is not a really unique created, you know, mechanic. So um, I think that <clears throat> you compound your skill by playing a deck like this, and you don't, the learning curve is much shorter for me. My learning curve when a new format comes out is just a little hill, where if I want to play Mono Red, which I did at the last Pro Tour, the one before last, I was deer in the headlights, but it, was, it just wasn't enough, and I, I missed damage here and there. I'm, we misbuilt our deck by one land. We had 23 land, four Hazret, and just the small things with these decks. Um, can just make you go from a, a successful tournament to a losing strategy. Yeah, so, so I, I guess I'll, I'll agree with him, Carr. I think that, uh, you know, if you know how to really write well with your right hand uh, and you feel that you can do that, then probably it's not worth it to learn how to write with your left hand. <laughs> Even if writing with your right hand will sometimes just mean you're, you know, you're going to go winless in an event. At least when it's, it's correct to write with your right hand, you'll be good, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, <laughs> your point uh, kind of rings true for a lot of people, right? Where they have a lot of experience with certain archetypes or certain decks. And that's why, like, you know, a lot of the advice in modern is just like, you're like, oh, what deck should I play? What deck should I play? Should I switch? You know, what's the hot tech this week? And it's like, you know, you should play what you know how to play best. Usually that's what's going to work out best for you. And if you want to expand your range, you should probably be doing that kind of outside of high-level play, right? So if you yeah. want to work on being a better mid-range or aggro or combo player, then, then do that. When you feel like your skill is at the same level as, as the other archetypes, then, yeah, I think it makes sense. So, yeah, I feel like, unfortunately, I can't, I can't razz Shireen too bad, but uh, we can still poke fun at him, I guess, when he plays control when it's incorrect to do so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's what, the it's the broken clock logic, you know? Exactly. I mean, we keep doing it. And, and it makes me really sad because the last four Pro Tours before this, I played the, either the perceived best deck or what I thought could beat the best deck with a um, you know, powerful strategy like Delirium. And I just had really, really bad results. And I, you, know, you know what I'm going to think. I'm going to look back and say, I was 5-1 in Limited in Dublin. And I was 5-1 and I was 4-2 in Australia. And you just go all the way through these tournaments where I had five great limited records. And if I just did it with my strategy, if I played control, what could have happened? Like in Australia is a good example where I played Delirium um, with Emrakul. 
a, a random guy up there that's a big Esper player. He was 5-0 with Esper control day one. And you know how that makes me feel. Like, I was like devastated when I heard that. I'm like, because I had Esper ready to go. Craig Wesco and I were both playing Esper. I had it ready to go. Our whole team was on Esper control. And then I'm wait, like, wait, you know wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Craig, you had Craig convinced Wesco? Craig Wesco to play Esper Control? And then you didn't play Craig Esper. Wesco if Craig control, Wesco's going to play Esper Control, if you've convinced him that it's the best deck, then it's not only the best deck. Him, not only did I convince him, but it was the whole team <laughs> rallying behind this. Like, we were on two decks at that time. Uh, well, I brought three decks. I brought Black-White Control, I brought Esper Control, and I brought Black-Green Delirium. So once we tested Esper Control, it was destroying those decks. And of course, and the, uh, the aggro deck was White Weenie at the time. And that was, oh my, you have Languish, like four Languish. And it was just a joke. So we were, we were doing really well with it. But then we were struggling against the Elder Deep Fiend decks. And Craig lost three matches in a row or something against it. And then this was two days before, and he was off it after that. So up until, for about two weeks, up until two days before Craig was on Esper Control, we, we bought all the copies of the cards. We had Esper Control galore, and then we hard audible to my black green deck. So, but you know, that would have been a sight. I should have just for historic purposes should have just just <laughs> told him no. Don't do it. <laughs> that deck was nuts. I don't, KYT, do you remember that deck? The one with the Emrakul Master deck? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, I went eight zero the Invitational with it the week after um, and open with it. So it was really good. And again, it's because. After that, I should have realized, what am I doing with my life? But then I decided to go turn one Bomac Courier, and that did not turn out too well. I don't know if you're going to be uh, with, with Team Unified coming up. don't know if you're going to be able to satisfy the fans and have like a team of you, Matignon, Waffle Tapo. I think that would be a very sexy team. All three of you <laughs> playing control decks in different formats. And, and if you guys could just say, hey, yeah. you want to just have this dream team for, for one time? I think the fans yeah, love it. JP Toronto, awesome. team draw bracket. I think, yeah. I think maybe we could even get yeah. people who want to see it so bad that they, they'd, like, I don't know, chip in. <laughs> I'll be down. I'll be down. I mean, right now, the only, like, big shot from Japan that's ever offered a team with me is Kenji, so I can get him, but he's not known for his control prowess. I can convince him. Um, our team series that we're doing right now is going to be me, Noah Walker, and Ely Cassis are probably our squad, so... Uh, Noah actually used to be big into control. He played Grixis Control in Legacy Standard. Um, so he said to convince Ely, but man, that'd be awesome. That'd be a nice little throwback there. <laughs> so in the deck that you ended with, uh, people, people should play in their, uh, if there's PPTQs left for them to play, or, or if they just want to jam some, some standard online or uh, try something new just to play it if there's a lot of teamer and avoid it if, if it's more mono red. And uh, we'll go straight now to Doug, uh, who, you know, his team mostly piloted Mono Red with, if you go to, like, the top constructed list, we see his teammate Daniel Forney at the very top with an X1 record in standard. So tell us all about it, Doug. Yeah, so about a month ago, I, uh, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to prepare a lot uh, just with the way life was going and what I was pursuing in my career. Um, so I just locked in on Hazaret and I started testing all sorts of Hazaret variants. Uh, I started with Night Market Lookout versions and Mardu and we had a Weld Fast deck for a little bit. And then uh, finally Fornia came in and just shared this mono red list that he'd been crushing with. And uh, some, of the, some of the keys to this particular list were four main deck Ferocidons as well as two main deck Harsh Mentors. 
um, both of which were huge powerhouses against the teamer specifically. Um, not all of the energy lists as much, but definitely teamer because of Whirler Virtuoso. Just having Harsh Mentor be able to ping them and Frosted on being something that their Whirler Virtuoso has to uh, has to take damage every time that creature comes in. It, it was just huge. You know, this list was tight. It was a nice package. Um, Lightning Strike is just such a powerful card, it, you know, that got printed in this set. So Daniel posted the list, and I was sold. I didn't really need much more convincing at that point. And um, I, I, I went all in on the red deck. Uh, Daniel tested a ton with this deck. He prepared us even sideboarding notes and 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 guides. When I showed up at site, there was a conversation that kind of went down between Sammy and Daniel where Sammy was trying to share his opinions. Daniel didn't really agree with them. Um, Sammy ended up going and I asked if I could come and join him and tune the deck just the night before 6 p.m. But he said no, he was too tired. Uh, he wanted to go take a nap and he'd just tune it and send it to me, uh, which he did. And he just changed one main deck card, which funnily enough, Daniel said was a terrible change. He changed the Entrop on crop crasher to a chandra and uh the cyborg he changed one aether sphere harvester to uh chandra's defeat uh so that's the list i played was sammy's list i wish i just listened to daniel quite honestly his list was better he prepared way better and uh and with more reps and daniel just smashed it all weekend now i will say this deck is not for the faint of heart if you're like listening to this and you're like oh it's a red deck red decks are easy i'm gonna just pick this up and i'm gonna smash people I'm not going to lie, this is one of the hardest decks I've had to play at a Pro Tour for a while, just sequencing-wise and thinking about you know, how you're going to get those extra points and what you could draw and sequencing things properly to get your hazard be able to be active. You know, I was talking with Ari Locks during the tournament, and he was saying that he believes Teamer is just one of the easiest decks at the Pro Tour because you just kind of know your one or two things you have to kind of aim for, and then everything in the deck fuels towards those one or two things per matchup. Whereas Red, there's this tension, you're constantly going... You're constantly switching from killing creatures to going to to the face. Uh, you're constantly trying to think about, you know, what cards you could draw to make your decisions and your sideboarded games look very different. Very, people are doing very different things in sideboarded games, uh, such as we were taking out, like, all of our Bowmat couriers in the mirror, whereas people that I was playing against were saying that, no, you need to keep your Bowmats in. So, like, that changes the dynamic of the deck completely if you go bigger, if you go smaller. So, Mono Red was pretty sweet. The whole team played it except for Matt Kelly, who, shout out to Matt Kelly, he's a producer here on First Strike. Uh, when Rob dropped out of the team with 24 hours to go before submission, I just picked Matt up uh, for the team. There was a fun fact, and, uh, you know, he might be a little embarrassed about me saying this, but, it, you know, we were just talking about it around the Pro Tour. If you go to MTG ELO Project, you can see all of the teams, and you can see all of their players' ELO. And Matt okay. Kelly's ELO was over 150 points lower than any other player in the entire Pro Team Series. He was sub-1500 ELO, so that was pretty hype. Um, he still is sub-1500 ELO at this point. You know, ELO doesn't mean a lot considering going into the Pro Tour. I was 50 points ahead of uh, Yuya Watsunabe on ELO. So, you know, take ELO for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, so that's that's what we did. That was the team. You know, it was a bunch of Canadian, like, bronzes, one silver, one, or no, two, I guess, two not bronzes. And uh, we had fun. You know, it was, a good, it was a good event. I'm pretty happy with how we did. You know, Fournier, you got six points. I got four points. I got to say, this big first strike above this little... Uh, face-to-face kind of shows how we did better than face-to-face games as team. I'm just saying we got more points than they did. So shout out to that. But uh, no, there's 12 teams below us. There's 24 ahead of us. We're literally like, uh, 
bottom one third and none of us are qualified for the next pro tour. So, you know, it was fun. It was a fun event. I, I do have some faith in these guys getting back on the pro tour and uh, I'm actually going to be subbing off the team and handing over captaincy to someone just because I booked uh, an acting gig. That means there's no chance I can RP to Q into the next pro tour. I can't play. I can't go to the pro tour. I, I thought I couldn't even RP to Q into the one after, but someone told me RP to Qs are on Sunday. So I could potentially like, do my acting gig and then get on an airplane right after I'm done and maybe get to RP2Q into the Pro Tour after. But, you know, I might not have another chance to play a Pro Tour until Pro Tour 25, uh, if I even qualify. So going to pass on the reins to someone. I'm hoping it's uh, one Rob Lombardi might get qualified and uh, can take over. That's that's my hope. But if not, you know, someone else might be able to take it. I've already talked with Wizards about subbing because of my job and they're, you know, they're fine with that. So I love the red deck. I personally played terribly this Pro Tour. Like, my goodness, I was playing so bad. I was punting matches left and right. On day one, I thought I punted three full matches, but then in retrospect, it was only two full punts to finish four and four. Uh, I missed, I'm not making this up, I missed 17 triggers over the course of the day. Now 11 of them were in one game at the very last round of the day, and my brain was just mush, and I literally missed 11 Frostedon triggers in the game. it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, I actually was walking just, this is a, a small story. We were walking. I was telling my friend, Matt, you know, how I want to like not miss triggers and suggesting to him that what I'm going to do potentially, or what he should do is donate money to charity for every trigger that I miss on day two or like going forward. And Kevin Jones turns around. He's just walking in front of us. And he's like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You're just going to donate money to charity. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, so every opponent day two, I sat down, I, I said, Hey, just so you know, at the end of the match, can you tell me about any triggers I miss? Cause I'm just donating $2 to charity for like every trigger that I miss. And like, there's this buzz of people sitting around me kind of laughing. Like this is the most ridiculous thing ever, but I missed zero triggers on day two as I probably should have. So, uh, you know, I'm still going to give $34 to charity. I'm going to give it to Gamers Helping Gamers because I've missed 17 uh, triggers on day one. So that's just something that I'm going to do. And, it, it, you know, it's little things like that to help help baddies like me uh, not uh, not scrub. Now, on day two, I punted two matches, and I can tell those stories later or not because I'm still a little sour. I, like, stone-cold threw away a game three that was just an easy win. I could have maybe even been 11-5 and five if I didn't punt those two matches, but... Monored is hard, gotta say. You know, Lightning Strike is a tough card because you can hit a creature or you can hit a player, and it's instant. <laughs> it's just like it wants you to play it incorrectly. You know, at least with Sorcery, I would play it correctly. But <laughs> no, I can't make any excuses. I could have prepared better. I could have prepared more. But uh, life, you know, making different choices than Magic, and uh, I was happy to see the team camaraderie. And uh, Dean McLaren was on our team. He didn't test with us. He tested with mass drop uh, because sean was on mass drop so we had no intel from him but he actually designed the blue white deck that uh pascal ended up getting second with i uh, you know, he designed it in collaboration of course but he really worked hard on it um he got third at a ptq with it a couple like last week on a secret account on moto and uh so that was pretty cool for him and he was doing really well he just kind of he he think it was x3 going to the last round of draft and he lost three or four in a row um just crazy stuff happening you know just magic stuff so yeah that's kind of my story and I, you know, I had a blast i got a tattoo in albuquerque that was really cool and uh yeah here we are <laughs> so um definitely a sweet deck to try out uh rob you, you watch most of the coverage and i'm gonna ask shaheen's thoughts after um maybe it's just me i just felt or maybe people are, are joining social media more it just felt like 
people were tweeting and talking about punts at, at this pro tour more than any PT that I've, I've covered or followed. Yeah. Um, is it because of format coincidence or the format's harder than ever? We were talking about like Sigma's punting, talking about Owen punting. We're talking about uh, even Pascal Maynard in game four, forgetting uh, his fourth land drop and stuff like that. So I don't think there's been a PT where this is, there's like round after round of, of high level players making punts. Yeah, I, I agree actually. Like, <laughs> I had many messages. Uh, like, I wasn't really paying that much attention while I was watching. It was more like listening to it in the background while doing something else. And, like, as soon as someone messed something up that was obvious, like, to the point where commentary was talking about it, like, my phone was just lit up. <laughs> People were like, did you just see that? Are you, are you watching this? Like, this is insane. And, uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I, I've never seen that happen at a PT before where, like, so many people that are just, like, the audience are noticing so many, maybe, what seems like obvious misplays, I guess, to the, to the crowd and, and to the, the commentary crew, um, at least uh, on camera. Like, I'm sure there's lots of punts going on. That's obviously, that's just magic, right? People miss stuff. But usually at the PT, there's not that much of it going on uh, on the camera. And I feel like, uh, yeah, there's probably an anomaly on how high it was. but it's very interesting. Uh, all these invincible pros that never make mistakes are, are not infallible, it seems. Yeah. Um, well, which just continues with what Doug said. He was making tons of uh, misplays, <laughs> and uh, monorail was really tough. Do um, you think it's more of an anomaly, or, or are the formats harder than before, uh, Rob? I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff to pay attention to. Um, I, I think it is an anomaly, though. Like, Maybe people were just like more in autopilot mode because the PT is so late in the season. So they're just like a, a lot of the muscle memory or whatever. And they've probably been playing a lot online. So when you play a lot online, like your paper magic definitely gets very sloppy. So maybe because they were able to play so much online, their paper game was just like not really up to where it usually is. I'm not sure. It, we'll see. If it happens again and the next PT and the next PT is also whatever, three or four weeks later than it normally is then uh, maybe my theory is correct. I can wear my team <laughs> hat and say that Magic Online is making pro players pay, play very poorly uh, in paper Magic. <laughs> I have a theory. Go ahead, Doug. It might be a bit outrageous, but if you listen to the Weird Al Yankovic song, Albuquerque, <laughs> that song describes a city that is just full of outrageous stuff happening. And I gotta say, Albuquerque... What a place. So, no, I have no idea what it was. I, I played bad because I am currently bad at Magic. I want that to be clear. Like, my mistakes were like... So, so one of the matches I threw away, it was so simple. He went, land a tune. I went, land, go. He went, land, cub. I went, land, stare at the lightning strike in my hand, think, I bet I can get him to use that energy. Go. He went, land, attack. Like, he's like yep i'm like lightning strike harness lightning and that cub killed eight creatures i still got him to two life it killed eight creatures and he had no other threat the whole game he played a rogue refiner which i shocked like if oh my goodness there's no way i could lose that game in ten thousand years and i still played out of my mind honestly after that point to get him down to two life like i had to make these crazy convoluted plays forcing him to waste removal and make bad situations but I couldn't recover from the simplest thing in the world. Like, of course I know to lightning strike it on my turn. Like you said, lightning strike's a hard card. I mean, the sorcerer, you wouldn't have made that mistake. Yeah, and I was kind of... <laughs> it has four it, modes. No, it's so easy. 
It's basically cryptic command. I've played that scenario so many times. I know you're supposed to lightning strike it. There's no excuse. It was, my my plays were just they're honestly just showing how terrible I am at magic right now. And uh it, oh, it's embarrassing. Like some of the things I did, I attacked with eight creatures into a guy who settled the wreckage to me. If I even just kept my Ferocid on back against Abzan tokens, oh, if, I just, if I just accidentally like leave my Ferocid onto the side and I'd send everything else, I still just win easily. But even after I got eight for ones, I then started double ramenapping him. You know, he had like five life linkers and I got him down to three. If I top deck a burn or a, uh, whatever the, the desert, the pinks for one, you know, over two turns, I still win through my terrible, terrible, terrible play. Oh, man, I played bad. But, yeah, who knows? Yeah, maybe you need to, to dump control decks. She, she, what's your thoughts? Do you think it's an anomaly that, that all these pros uh, screwed up on camera, or do you think the, the format is actually, in, on average, like harder than the previous standards? Nah, it's an anomaly. I, I agree with what Rob said. It's uh, <clears throat> there's nothing, nothing about the format that makes you forget your fourth land, or you know, <laughs> having lethal on board, not doing it with a fairly simple killing a, a blocker in the way. Um, you know, this is this is an anomaly. It's just you know, Mike said he was you know sleep deprived. <laughs> I know Pascal was I know Pascal was sleep deprived. He was tweeting at you know whatever in the morning saying he hasn't slept yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, a mixture of fatigue. Magic Online can be a, a, a part of it, you know. Um, it, 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 I, re- I very much, I very, it's just not likely that this format is much tougher than the, the previous ones. I actually think it's the opposite because of how much experience they've had with these same cards and interactions that um, they're going to make less mistakes, uh, you know, as the format progresses. So I think it's an anomaly you probably won't see that happen again. Not, not like it was this time around. There was a lot of slow play warnings too that were getting handed out that I feel like players were rushing their decisions after they got kind of. Uh, oh, yeah. Slapped they were. They were just throwing them out willy nilly, it seems. But it's good though, because like the, the big the pressure that's been on these judges and players is that not being enforced. I mean, it's, it's to the point where it's an epidemic. Where I, as, as I play personally, I play very quickly. Yeah, you do. And I can confirm it, that. <laughs> Confirm that, and it drives me up the wall when my opponent. And this happened. I was doing a uh, money draft on Sunday, and my opponent was, you know, he drew his card and he sat there and thought for a while. And I'm just like, dude, just play. You're, we're playing limited, man. Play your grizzly bear and pass the turn. Like, it's infuriating in a lot of situations where players um, will, you know, take the the lion's share of the time for themselves. And I, I think that even though the judges were handing out them in top eight and handing them out in feature, feature management left, we have to get into the mode where you have only a reasonable amount of time per turn, regardless of how complex it is, because, um, you know, if two players are trying to win that $50,000 in first place at a pro tour, and if one player is dominating the clock and, you know, putting people toward a draw, like the LSV situation where they went to a draw. I don't know who played slow or whatever, but let's just say hypothetically LSV's opponent was playing slow or vice versa. It's so unfair to the other player that's not violating the rules. So I think that the judges were not really in the wrong there, and, but they still have a long way to go. And I really think that slow play should be a, a real like pinnacle issue for like moving forward. Everything else the rules you see have evolved so much. They've removed game losses in a lot of situations where they're shuffling cards back, 
Um, you know, the new like thought seize rules. If you draw out your car, they get to let you reveal your hand. And they have all these ways to get around game losses these days to make, you know, magic a little bit more match oriented of the results instead of saying, hey, we're going to win by technicality. But the slow play situation, they really, that, that's still in the dark ages. They need to progress that somehow. Yeah, it's. I don't know how we got on slow play, by the way, but that's my opinion on it. It is not where it needs to be at, and I'm so glad that they're starting to issue it. I had an experience at this Pro Tour where I was heading to game three after a crazy game two against Esper Gifts. We're in like the two three bracket, and uh, or two four bracket. So, like, we, <laughs> if we lose, we're out, and if we win, we have to win it in, something like that. And uh, this guy, like, you know, going into game three after such an exhausting game two where I won through an active Godfarrow's gift. I activated a scavenger crown five times in the game. We're going to game three, and I tell him there's five minutes left on the clock. Like, just so you know, that's where we're at. He's like, okay. And we start both playing really fast, and there's a judge watching throughout the whole game. We're playing, like, at a reasonable pace until this turn hits where I topped a Kahazaret, and all of a sudden, he just, like, transforms into this, like, glacial player. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like. And the judge is watching and he's just like thinking and like putting his cards and he has three cards and he's like looking and counting and he goes to put one down, stops and he like shuffles, moves, lands aside. I'm just like, come on. And like, we had a 30 I mean, second judge ruling. I mean, that's, yeah, that's well, so, so we had a 30 second judge ruling and I asked the judge for time extension. He's like, I'm watching is what he said. So he didn't issue a slow play warning, but then finally the guy played all his cards out. Time got called and I go to my turn and he's like, just so you know, you guys are still playing. And the opponent said, how long do we have? He's like, I'll tell you when you hit time. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Judge got my back. Like, that was a cool way of doing it, I felt like. And, uh, you know, I ended up then just, like, drawing a lightning strike and winning or something like that. So I probably would have even won on extra turns had he not. But, but that's not the point. The point was, like, the judge was very aware. And uh, yeah. then at one point he said something, you have one minute left. And that was right before I won. So I was like, okay. Like, he was on top of it. You know, he was allowing us to play and not like stressing us out and it was kind of like a cool way of doing it you know it was a new way that i've ever seen before but um i felt like that guy should get a slow play warning but at the same time like it was one of the first or second turns he ever thought the whole match and you do have to think about like sometimes you do need to actually think and like on that turn he cast a cast out so maybe like maybe he really needed to think if he needed to save the cast out for for not my frosted on but like needed to save it for a hazard so anyways, my point is, like, you know, you look at guys like Owen Turnwald, he's currently at 100, or sorry, 1,808 matches in a row without an unintentional draw. LSV's at 979, which honestly, thank goodness for him, he uh, had an opponent DQ'd in this tournament or else that's, well, he didn't have him DQ'd, but his opponent was DQ'd or, or else that would have busted his streak right there. <laughs> you know, Ari lacks 940 matches. Like, these guys, you know, they're playing fast. Like, they're playing not unreasonably fast. They're just, they're not going to unintentional draws, right? Scooping on time, don't prolong matches, don't waste time, you know? Yeah, it's it's important. we got to crack down on this. And I had a good, like, short talk with Jonathan Good about the state of kind of, like, judging in the event on day one. And, and he was really happy with, you know, he said that the judges were really diligent on cracking down on stuff. And we talked about the DQ um, a little bit with Haoshan. And then we talked about you know, some other close to DQ situations they'd had, or or like, sorry, maybe investigation is a better word than close to DQ, because if you're not DQ'd, I don't know how close it actually was, right? Uh, And then the slow play stuff. So I'm happy judges are cracking down. I think that there's so many issues in Magic, uh, and they're finally starting to, like, clap, it feels like, a little bit. One bit at a time. Any last thoughts on, on everything, Rob? 
Yeah, so I guess <clears throat> I uh, I agree that I, I I play very fast, and I hate when people play slow, especially as Shaheen said, like in limited, it's just like you're on the draw, you draw a card, like you know you're gonna play, just play your land, man. Like you don't have a one drop. Don't pretend like you're thinking about something, right? So I, I agree that's that's annoying, and people should you know stop stop doing stupid things like that. I just felt like anyway, like I wasn't at the event obviously because I got suckered into not going to another PT, but um. From the coverage perspective, it seemed like when there was someone that had, like, when I was watching it, it looked like people were trying to make, or they needed time to make legit decisions. Like, there was actually complicated board states to, to process and go through. And it was like, once they passed, like, the minute mark, they were just kind of like, or maybe it was two minutes, they were just getting a, a slow play warning, where it wasn't like the judge came up and said, like, hey, you know, like, you can't take this long on your turn, you got to kind of speed things up just to kind of nudge them along so that, you know, oh, by the way, like, I don't know if you've, like, noticed how, how much time has passed, but, you know, you have to start making decisions. It just seemed like it was, like, boom, slow play warning. Like, that was, that, that was the communication. It there wasn't, might have like, been a mis- hey. There might have been one behind the scenes. I think they, I think they have it's to. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, I think, they, I think, but the rules they have to uh, announce, like, you, you have to make a decision. That's in their, that's in their like, script, you know? It's time to make a decision. Then when the decision is not made, they get slow play warnings. Or if in the tournament they've received a slow play warning already, then they can just get another slow play warning. You okay, know? well, that, that might have been happening for some of the matches that I saw then. If someone already had, like, a slap on the wrist, then they're getting, they're getting the quick second slap. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, that, if they're just doing that where they're just, like, boom, slow play warning without saying a word, that's, that's, not, that's not the right way to handle that. Obviously, you have to, like when they're complex situations, sometimes you get lost in the clock in your head anyway, and you need, someone needs to say, hey, you have to make a decision, and then issue it. But they really need to just... It has to be a mechanical, uh, like, uh, regular way they handle it across the board, uniform way. So it needs to be the, hey, listen, decision needs to be made, slow play warning. Decision needs to be made, slow play warning number two. And honestly, when you get to the third one, it needs to be a game loss. Like, you need to... This this is becoming an epidemic, and it's a reason why we've had to ban cards like Sensei's Divining Top in the past, which I've talked about before, because people just can't handle these kinds of decisions. You know, they can't handle that much this web of decision tree that that pops up these branches. You know, and it just will make you go mad. So let's just get rid of the cards <laughs> that cause that to happen. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I think if if Watsi uh, just made removal better again. Uh, board states would get less cluttered. We'd be talking about this less. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, you mean if, if creatures weren't just ridiculously overpowered and obscene, like just just badly created and developed compared to the removal? Yeah. Yes. Of yes. course. I, I mean, you have every like a card like um, Whirler Virtuoso just would not exist back. A Rogue Refiner wouldn't. Rogue Refiner was a three mana one one that drew a card, and that was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then it became a three mana two two that drew a card, which is still pretty good. And, like, as these creatures get better and the removal gets worse, you're right. The boards are going to get more cluttered. Uh, mid, it's going to be, the, the metagame is going to be full mid-range. Um, that's their dream, by the way. The dream is just a full mid-range metagame. Like, that's just, that's the, the most common kind of archetype is the magic's moving toward. Um, it reminds me, like, if you think about red, red got, re- a, like, the, the whole mana base is what made red just emerge. Like, saving it from flood. Like adding deserts that nuke you down from eight life to zero, 
made that deck just a huge competitor in the mid-range world. Otherwise, can you imagine, and I'd ask this question to our Monterey expert on the panel here, you know, what would you play the deck without the desert long game in this metagame? Like, in this current standard, I, I don't think so. No, I, I think you wouldn't be looking at mono red at all. Like, it really brings no benefits because uh, you just don't want to play 24 lands in that deck unless your lands can start turning into to shocks, right? Right. Um, and, I mean, you'd be looking at, like, as, a nine, you want to play 19 mountains, like, ideally in a red deck that doesn't have a mana base that can act as spells, in which case, like, you don't get to really play any powerful cards because there's not enough powerful one-drops or... And the burn is not great. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's also cards like Hazaret too, that like, oh, you, know, you have the extra mana, you know, which I had happen. You just get to dump all these cards you're drawing with your mana while still, you know, casting a card next to it. Like how, how I beat Gerard Fabiano in the last round was I had four mana out, one card in hand, he knew it was a land. And he went for this all in attack at nine. And I just top deck shock. It's like, oh, well, pitch my land, shock you, five you, right? Like, you, the hazard gets to use your extra mana and your lands get to use your extra mana because like even if i didn't i could play the land to be able to fling my ram like ugh, there's just so much right like yeah yeah but you just, can, you, like you can't play hazard in in a 19 land deck yeah yeah exactly and you can't play right. and you can't play red if you don't have the mana base yeah yeah and it plays the point of why these boards get so cluttered and it's because Again, the creatures are too freaking good. And um, there's a reason why I think Blue-Black had no chance this weekend, because the removal is so bad. Like, losing Grasp of Darkness. If you're uh, a teamer player and you have a Long Tusk Cub on the play and one Spell Pierce, you've already won the match. You might as well sign the match slip game three against the Blue-Black deck that does not have a Fatal Push in their hand. It's like, oh, I don't have Fatal Push. Never going to kill that Cub, and I'm just dead. And it's because Cub win the game card if left unchecked for a few turns. Glint Sleeve, Siphoner, two mana win the game card against control decks if left unchecked. Um, and, you know, this, that, you can keep going. Carry Zev even is super hard to block and deal with. And if left unchecked and red for a few turns, that damage is, is un, you can't catch up. So it, it reminds me of, um, like, Standard is feeling a lot more like just a mid-range Battlefield slugfest, and you know that's that's the reason why control has struggled. But I will say this pro tour um, with Grixis, I was very confident because I butchered my mana, so I could beat those decks. And I KYT uh, mentioned my my deck tech, and I kind of go into more detail about it. But having the ability to always have a removal spell on the draw, I you have to play, you have to follow the removal if you want to play control. So I have four you have to follow Harness Lightning, which is the Doom Blade of the format. So, you know, I'll butcher my mana, but I'll be able to at least harness lightning a cub on the draw, a braid a cub on the draw. Um, and then if I'm on the play, you just, you're coasting with sensor. Wherever the removal is, whatever color it is, you can't just pick a control deck to play. You have to, I think, I think you really have to play the, the best removal spell and then everything else will come together and follow. Um, like the Jeskai approach deck, it wasn't a blue-white approach to move on to. It wasn't a blue, you know, it wasn't you, it's a harness lightning red base, you know, control deck because you got to follow Doomblade. But I, yeah, I, I really like what what uh, Guillaume did with that uh, with that list. I think playing harness lightning was uh, a very very good decision. It, it shores up a lot of the weaknesses of the blue white deck. Yeah, like you know, a, a turn two creature, you're not dead. <laughs> 
No, you don't have to play stupid cards like Aether Meltdown and, and stuff like that. Right? Oh, God. I tested for a week with Aether Meltdown. That, what a disgusting card. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> like, oh, my God. They play Glint Sleeve. I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Serving in a conduit. You know, like, it doesn't even matter what they play. It's just so bad. Um, I, you know, the funny thing is about how bad control is versus aggro. And at this last, uh, with my last three rounds left, I actually got paired against red three times. So it was red, 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 black. It's pretty much like if you were to put that statistics to win two out of those three, <laughs> I don't want to know what the number was because of how, like how rough, like these aggro decks are for the control deck. So I definitely got pretty lucky this weekend. Drew my hardest lightnings. <laughs> Rob, uh, after watching most of the PT, like which which deck did you come away most impressed with? Nothing really excites me. I feel like, uh, and I've been kind of saying this the last few weeks or whatever, um, is that if you know, like, this is very like much like modern, this standard, right? Where you just want to know your deck and know your matchups better. And I feel like you can kind of win with anything as long as it's like playing to the style that you play best and you actually do truly understand what your role in the matchup is and like how uh, you're going to attack and kind of um, go over or under whatever your opponent's trying to do, right? Um, so I don't think there was anything like too exciting. I was very surprised that Pascal did so well with the blue-white approach deck. Or not blue-white approach, sorry. Blue-white uh, Godfrey's gift deck. I think the deck is bad. <laughs> it looks bad. Anyways, I, I, I've seen people play it. I've never had a, an issue with it. Um, maybe his list is, is slightly different. It didn't seem like the main deck was uh, too much different than what's normally going on with that kind of list. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess maybe the it was just right for the tournament where like the abrades were turned down like one or two copies. The negates in the sideboard seemed to be turned down one or two copies. And I don't know, maybe uh, Shaheen or Doug can enlighten me on this, but as I was looking through the top eight lists, I see like way more Nissa Steward of Elements than I would have ever expected to see even at an FNM. So like I don't understand <laughs> what are all these like energy based decks doing with green blue Nissa? Like what? Why do you want this card in your sideboard? It's their, it just it's their only so hope bad. against control decks. Isn't Chandra better? It's hard, easier to resolve because it's three mana. It's um, it's basically like there are no uh, the the ways to kill planeswalkers and approach outside of cast out. Blue black has three answers. You know, there's just so few answers to resolve planeswalkers. Um, so and the matchup is so bad. You're trying to stick this on three, like, and get get in under an essence scatter that they left up or something. Get under an essence scatter, or they play search for his kata on two, and then you play Nissa. You probably win that game. Um, okay. Certain, I also. Because, sorry, I was gonna say I also yeah. saw them in the in like the team or mirrors. Sometimes having it down when the board's just like super cluttery, and it's now like this card that's just generating you. It's not advantage necessarily, but in those mirrors, there's certain cards you want to dig for. And I even saw people like alphaing into board states where they just get a little wrecked just to like kill the Nissa before it gets out of hand, because uh, you can just you know. Turn two cub, they kill the cub, you drop Nissa. Almost no matter what they play, you can follow it up with like Whirler Virtuoso. Nissa's not going anywhere anytime soon in that game. Um, yeah, so. it's just a weak, it's a weak three mana planeswalker, but mm-hmm. it's three mana. Uh, even if Chandra is better in most cases, 
the one less mana is good enough. Yeah. I kind of joked about it on the deck tech. I said that um, control loses to anything from a Tybalt to an Elspeth resolve. It doesn't really matter what Planeswalker is resolved. As long as it's churning away, you're going to lose the game to it. Um, so it's good against control. It's good, like uh, Doug said, it's good against the uh, uh, teamer matchup if you can sneak it in after a post-removal spell. Uh, so there's, there's a few situations where, obviously, it's, the, it's actually it's the same situation. It's a clear board or semi-clear board. Planeswalker is uh, easy mode win. And actually, Planeswalkers and Standard are in slim pickings right now. So you really don't have a whole lot of options. I agree with that, yeah. So it, yeah, it's like, I mean, I wish, I wish there were some blue planes. There's not even a blue planeswalker that's playable. I had two Jace in my initial control builds, and then it was, like figured out how terrible it was. So Three um, minute Jace? Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah, he's so yeah, It's no good. I, I mean, I also saw a situation where, uh, I think it was, was it Owen? I, I want to say it was Owen, but had it in his hand, and it was a situation where if he just draws an eighth untapped land, just like casts Nissa, it just like minus sixes and wins the game. Gets the um, fireball his opponent for ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that happened actually pretty. Well. That was that was a common play for uh, you know against a lot of decks. Approach decks were getting beat left and right actually by yeah. the, the eight mana Nissa play. Yeah, so yeah, I didn't expect it. It's not a card that I really ran into on on Moto. No, I actually bought cards and tested for this event like on Magic Online, which I don't normally. Do I normally do live testing for Pro Tour because there's five weeks and I just locked in Hazard earlier. I figured I might as well buy cards. And yeah, I didn't really play against a lot of Nissas personally, but I mean, I was playing Mono Red, so obviously it's Nissa, not the card coming in for me. Nissa we figured out uh, easy mode because Brad Nelson like played in a P, like a IQ and his list was posted. <laughs> we are like, all right. <laughs> like That list that he played was pretty much the list that was you know being used, so um, you know, but yeah, like I wouldn't, I didn't think of this either. It's just one of those things where it's, it makes sense after you see it, but I still don't think it's amazing. Um, I think it's okay. And I think that, you know, like you mentioned, I think Chandra could be better in a lot of cases, but, um, you, you know, be careful not, with Nissa too, cause it could get you DQ'd. So that's, yeah, uh, it could get sellouts me at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't play against uh, uh, a player that was DQ'd, but he beat me first, sadly. Ooh. In that turn. Uh, true, true daggers. Yeah, he beat me in limited. He uh, uh, had Carnage Tyrant all the six both times. That's, that's not fair. Cards are freaking good. <laughs> can't beat that in standard either. Shaheen, uh, can, you, can you sum up for me real quick? Like, when would you play approach over your Grixis deck? And what type of uh, metagame? I think approach is a lot better um, in a metagame that has red in it. Uh, I, I don't think approach is heavily favored against red, but it definitely has a more of a fighting shot than Grixis does. Um, like I said, I, I played I played Teamer five times. I went four one against it. Um, the one loss at the beginning of the day where I was just playing. I was playing very bad day one, and uh, after I lost, I, I lost because I just slammed Scarab God on five game three. And he had a coup, and I, I could have just played Glimmer and just kept the draw guy. I don't know what I was thinking, honestly, and I just really threw it away. I Glimmered, missed some removal. Um, but uh, I think that Grixis is a lot better against Teamer. Uh, Blue-White Approach always beats Teamer game one, right? But game two and three has a heck of a time. Or Grixis is favored throughout the post-board games as well. 
Um, I think Grixis is better against every mid-range deck. It's better against the mono-white vampire deck. and It's better against silly decks because you have two hour of devastation in your deck. I played against a mono-white vampire player day two who was on a tear in standard. And I cast hour of devastation in game one, read it, put it down, and then gave his vanguard indestructible. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then he called the judge and said that he there's a glare on the card and he couldn't really read it that well. But you know he's a nice guy. It, it just he he knew he wasn't going to get the judge called his way, but he was just you know I think he was just very embarrassed about what happened. Um, which is you shouldn't be because you're who cares? You know you're playing against control. You're 16. The differences make. But uh, I think Grixis is better against the riffraff, like the random decks and aren't the tier one decks, and it's best against Teamer. You're I still believe you're 10 percent to win game one against Red, and that's generous. Uh, one out of ten games you win. Um, games two and three. So the stretch I had, I only reason I'm qualified for the next Pro Tour is because against my red opponents both times, number of braids, and I brought in the multi-form wonder crew, and they got beat by that card. And for people that don't know what multi-form wonder does, <laughs> it's a five-mana three-three that can get vigilance, lifelink, or flying for an energy, and it pumps plus two minus two for energy or the other way. So it, it's, colorless players, it's just colorless Baneslayer Angel. Yes, yeah. yeah it's, it's Morphling, Baneslayer Angel, all the best qualities, and it's an artifact and doesn't have any way to survive in a braid. So, um, like I said, I, I played it. I had two out against Mardu, and I beat him. I had multiple out against Red, game two and three, and, you know, they were either short on a braid or boarded some out or didn't play a whole lot, so... I mean, that's the only reason I got it. But if you're playing Approach, you have so many tools. Like, Regal Caracal is so good. Authority's good. They're all beatable. Red can beat all those cards, but they're not... But they have to work for those wins. Where, against Grixis, they don't have to work at all. They're on autopilot, and you are just, like, gasping for breath while you're, when you're sinking in, like, quicksand the whole time. That's what it feels like. You are just... <laughs> you are just struggling. Like, you are slugging through... You have no real way to gain life besides multi-form wonder. Um, so you're just trying to keep your life total as high as you can and resolve this goofy artifact and then hope they don't have an braid in their hand. Pretty loose strategy. So <laughs> Sounds loose. Uh, it's, it's, it's not good. And so I think if your metagame is high on red, approach is the way to go. I think if it's any other metagame, I really like blue-black base decks and base decks. Or beating the rest of the metagame, especially Godfarer's Gift, because you have a braid. And a braid is so good. A braid, gear, four gear hulk and multiple braids. If anyone's playing, like I said, the Riffraff, and I'm going to call Pascal's deck on the Riffraff side, like if they're playing, playing vampires or playing more of the, the fringes, fringe decks, um, you have so many more like clean answers to those kind of cards. All right. I like it. I like that. Um... I think that just wraps up uh, standard. We're just gonna talk a bit about modern. Uh, this past weekend, we had the Red Deer 5K Open Plus. Um, we also had the Toronto Open. Um, all those results will be up on F2FSeries.FaceToFaceGames.com by tomorrow. Um, I, I just want to congratulate. Um, I think his name was uh, Joshua Saruga, who won first with Burn in, in the Red Deer Open, and we had. Um, at least friend, friend of the show, Cody Crosman, also making top eight with uh, Blue Red Breach. And, of course, 
have to give him a shout out. He actually watches the show or listens to it almost every episode. Our boy, Doug, Jared Gashadi, actually made top eight, top four, and almost won. Yep. Um, we always joke about him needing to win, win the tournament, hashtag one day, to, to guess on this show, and he was two matches away. Yeah, and uh, Cody Crossman, by the way, top eighted despite getting a match loss in the tournament. That's right, at the 5-0 bracket, got a match loss. Uh, and so he still made it anyways. Uh, that, that's a whole other story. But yeah, Jared Gashadi made it. Big shout-out for me for uh, Shane Simpson in second place. This is the guy that he shows up with affinity to every tournament. It's modern, he's there with affinity. You can expect he's going to beat you with affinity. You can expect he's trying out some weird things with affinity. He was the first guy in Edmonton or Alberta to play, like, dispatches against me. Then one day he shows up next time, and he's on that, like, make your artifact a 5-5. This time he's on affinity with Legion's Landing in his deck. Yeah, what copy of Legion's Landing? He's, like, turn one Ornithopter, single, or uh, Memnite, Legion's Landing, turn two, flippy-dippy, tap three, play a three-drop. Like, I don't know what's going on, but he's, <laughs> Shaheen's muted and he looks, he looks turned up right now. I don't know. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say, Shaheen? Sorry, I muted myself. <laughs> Is that anything good? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's good. Even in an optimal I, scenario, it's not even good. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or not, but Shane always wins with affinity. He's just like, like he's just stone cold savage. Landing in modern. It's, it's it like, would not be an affinity. I play against this guy, and it's like the board state's complicated, and I go to a block, and he's just like, okay, these sack, this does this, that's the exact amount of damage you take, I'm set up for this two turns, I'm just like, whoa. And when Legion's landing, it's like, end <laughs> late game, just start making tokens, yeah. equip that cradle plating, take three, take four, like, I don't know, man. But uh, shout out to Shane, he actually, uh, he bought my, uh, my Mox Opal that I drafted the Pro Tour that I shouldn't have, but that, you know, that, like, super foil, like, worth money that I should have just passed along, Pro Tour Kaladesh, that, that was in his deck, so the power of Power of my Pro Tour punts was uh, was in that deck on the way to second place. Uh, you Canadians and your first pick into these masterpieces. Yeah, boy. yeah. I don't know what you know. Funny, funny story, Shaheen. I've gone. I had up to that point, I'd gone two, one, or three on every single Pro Tour draft I've ever done. Never done worse ever. And uh, there was many drafts. Uh, and then I drafted that masterpiece, and I oh three the draft. Uh, the funniest part of the story for me was when the deck got laid out and Sean said you should have played the Mox Opal in your main deck. But back to Modern. Back to Shane Simpson. Back to Burn. What a great top eight. I love, uh, I love seeing so many Albertans, uh, you know, that I've, uh, I've grown to, to respect their play crushing there. Jerry Gashadi almost taking it down, you know. That guy, he just had eye surgery and uh, his, he's got his eyes back and that may sound like a little thing, but being able to see in Magic is very useful. <laughs> you can see properly and this is like one of his first tournaments since since that uh change in his life i hope that's not too private to share he posts all over facebook but uh and then he, there he is in the top eight so you know i'm just proud of all these guys i wish i was there back at back at home you know but i was at the pro tour so can't really complain <laughs> <laughs> um chantelle campbell i don't know like she she tried the five color humans list that we, we've been talking about uh, the past couple of episodes have been like winning back-to-back SCG Classics. She was not that impressed with it. And her reaction and her discussion with Kyle Smirchik, a first-track producer, uh, talked about how, you know, to him all along, Mantis Rider was kind of meh. And uh, Chantel herself felt like uh, it, w- it was very weak against creature-based combo decks. And not only that, that if, if her opponent had a piece or two of, of removal of interaction, 
she felt really behind uh, with her uh, humans, uh, the synergy, uh, humans that relied on synergy to do really well. So something to keep in mind, maybe five colors isn't the way to go. It's cool to see blue-red breach do well again. Um, again, Cody dropped a match because of outside assistance. I uh, heard a bit about the situation. Uh, it, it, sad that like Truman was also involved in, in that, and he got a, a match loss, and he was playing blue-red breach, and he was XO through the tournament. So um, that's the other deck that we've been talking about a lot, which is blue-red breach. So maybe that's the deck that uh, I'm, I'm going to test more uh, heading into the LCQ uh, RPT Goo weekend at Face to Face Games Montreal in two weeks. I'll be looking forward to that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think we're just going to end the show with, with uh, a Shaheen rant on Modern, unless, uh, Rob, you got anything for Modern? Uh, no, I, I need to select a deck for the weekend, though. Someone told me that I have an RPTQ to play this weekend. <laughs> so thanks to Jess for reminding me about that. Otherwise, I probably would have completely missed it. Uh, it's uh, likely my best chance to be able to replace Doug on the, uh, in the team series. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to play, but it'll probably have Death Shadow in it, Ooh. I suppose. Card still seems pretty good. <laughs> and it's a deck I've done the best with over the last couple of years since they've taken Summer Bloom away from me. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Sheen, take it away. What, what pisses you off about Modern? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I don't... Modern is awful, so... Um, for me, anyway. I'm sure... It's the most probably the most popular format still. I just troll. It's the one where I, you know, it's I'm back to my roots where I say I want to go out my way. In modern, I'm not going out my way. I'm not I'm not playing blue eye control, control or esper. I've tried it all. I've tried every configuration of blue white tap out, blue white reactionary. Like uh, um. I've tried, you know, Esper, Mentor, I've, tr- I've tried, you name it, I've tried it in Modern. And without a strong win condition, without powerful card draw, without um, having a Planeswalker that's actually, you know, game finishing against more than one deck, you, you control is going to be on an island when it comes to success. So um, I don't know what I'm going to play in Modern. Um, I could, I, I'm leaning toward, like, Storm, maybe I'll start to pick up and try Blue-Red. Maybe I'll play Death Shadow. I have the cards for that on Moto in, in real life, so I might play that. I also have, you know, you know KYT. You know I love my KCI, so you know I might dust off the artifacts here. So um, there's a few decks that I'm pretty excited about that are not control, but um, you know it's 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 a format where I'm lost right now, and I'm gonna have to get some practice in. And I really, really, really hope that in February when they do their Unbanning of a card. There's going to be more than just Blood Braid Elf, which we all know is coming because, as we were joking around before the show, and I've, I've talked about on Twitter here, here and there, Blood Braid Elf is on the unplayable list of more unplayable slash banned list right now. <laughs> it's not a card that's going to see a lick of play in modern. Maybe at the beginning people will play it because it's a sweet card, um, but it's going to fall away a bitter blossom. Other card like a. a Cards and synergies that were dominant in the past are far behind the power level uh, creep, so it's not going to see any play in modern. But it's going to get unbanned, and I'm hoping that Jason My Sculptor joins. I think it's a fine card for modern. I've been saying that for a good year and a half now. I uh, get people riled up on Twitter all the time about it. 
Um, you know, people are very passionate one way or the other, but I still think it's in the same camp of it was super good and mod- standard. It was okay. It was okay and extended for like the one turn. It was legal. That's why it's banned. Where if they let it in modern, I'm telling you, it's not going to revolutionize it. Zoo players across the world and bird players are not going to say, "Oh God, turn four Jace, What do we do?" You know, tap out. I have nausea and kills you the next turn. Death shadows. They're going to spell pierce it, or they're going to do some kind of counter magic to it. Thossie's out of your hand and kill you. It's not going to be a card that's going to change modern for the worse. I think. But I think that maybe people's fear of it's going to keep it off um, legality. And until they have, like, that's a re- uh, an unbanning or Stoneforge Mystic, I don't think Control has much of a chance. I do think Stoneforge Mystic unbanning is a mistake, though. I think that card's too good for Modern. But I don't think Jace is. I agree with that. I like how we like said that. We were joking pre show Bloodbraid Elf. Oh, Bloodbraid Elf? You know what I think Bloodbraid Elf is? It's the Ace of Spades. It's the real deal. I love me some Bloodbraid Elf. It's qualified me for more Pro Tours than any other card. And I just ashes it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get creative, though, because you can't play it straight up. you got to, like, have a deck like Living End or something. Like, who knows I'm going to make it work. But I'll find a way. Where there's a will, there's an elf, okay? Living, living End? That's, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I qualified for PT Lance off living in. No one plays Torment no, Script anymore. It's a great deck. The other, you already have eight three mana ones. I mean, you just can't. I'll find something to do. I'll find it. Might be Swan. <laughs> might be Swan Seismic Assault. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen. Don't you worry, okay? Okay. Hey, you know what? I hope that they do this for you, and then it's so good that they're like, "Well, we got to unban Jace now because you know <laughs> Red Green is running away with the tournament." So. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the old standard Boomerang, Reign of Tears, Stone Rain, Bloodbraid Elf deck that had like the five mana Cascade card that could only Cascade into Bloodbraid Elf or those other ones, and like literally every card in the deck would cast either a Boomerang or a Stone Rain. But that was a deck I played in standard, and if I can make it work in modern, I, I'm going to Boomerang some lands. Yeah, I think it has Spreading Season there too, though, right? Didn't it have all of it? You have it all. You just literally have it all. The Magic Christmas Land, whatever it was called, deck with all Bloodbraid the... Elf. Yeah, with all the Cascade and LD. They had, I think it had the blue-white Cascade card, too. Yeah, I think it was it all, the blue-white one. It had the Life Gain one, the four-mana Life Gain one. It had the five-mana Worm. It even had Primal Command, because you can, like, search up a five-mana Worm and also land. Oh, man, that deck. I'm a, we need Blood Bird. I have different opinions on fun magic, but, you know, I, I respect it. Didn't Mike Flores design this deck? Or versions of it, at least? <laughs> I think he did. I'd probably iterate I'm not going to give him that much. <laughs> <laughs> I love Flores. We, we all do. Flores. Flores is my probably my number one favorite person. It will, he was the one who dug me out of a a regionals top eight and said, "Look at this guy. His uh, his decks are horrible. Let's talk about him." And that's <laughs> he gave me the opposite bump. He, he named a deck Doug P Goblins. It turned into Dirty Kitty. So you know. <laughs> At least plug both of us at some point with with some celebrity in them. So, <laughs> yeah, he's definitely done that for me as well. Uh, Shaheen, the the last thing I want to say is, didn't you say that you could possibly get something in KCI ban? Are, are we still possibly seeing that? Can you can you make it broken? So KYT, that was told to you in confidence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot. That deck Uh-oh. is. The deck is so it's it's on a different level of power, but it's so easily hated out. It's it, you, you feel so ridiculously strong game one. Like you win 
I like it. I played it and I went uh, 11 5 at an SCG. Not 11 4 at SCG. And um, I lost. I won every game one minus one and just got destroyed most of my both my post board games. And it's just because like you lose the graveyard hate, artifact hate. Uh, the best deck of the format at the time was Grix's Death Shadow that played one mana counter every card in your deck. <laughs> so, I mean, it was a brutal, it was a brutal like format for KCI. I think there's just too many sets legal to play a deck that's surrounded by, um, you know, easily hateable cards. Unlike Affinity, where you can hate it out, but at least they can get you kind of low and then like Aether Grid you out or like have some reach there, Galvanic Blast or whatever. KCI is one of those where you're hated out. You just have to sit there and wait for nature's claim. You know, it's just not, it's not where you want to be. So sorry, I let you down. Um, we're going to, you know, let them, they need to unban Jace and then get me on the show again. And we're going to, we'll start brewing. Okay. We'll do some live YouTube brewing with all the many wondrous decks that we can make. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, so Shaheen, anything, anyone you want to thank? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Team Card Hoarder. I want to thank, uh, you know, they they brought me in. Uh, they were uh, gracious enough to give me a shot to be on the team. And, you know, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine here with, you know, the the owners involved as a team manager. Aaron Campbell's like the, uh, the, the media specialist on our team. We have a six-man, uh, six-person squad. We have testers under that. So it's, we have a lot of people on the team. Um, that are all the moving pieces that are making it all work, and you know I'm I'm lucky enough to to you know be able to steer the ship here um, as a captain here the first year, so I'm really excited about the team. I want to thank them for bringing me on. Um, I want to thank Ely Cassis as well. You know he's he's been my boy for a while now. He's he's going to help me with modern. He's a modern guru, so he's going to take me under his wing and he's going to teach me how to storm. He's going to teach me how to cast collected company and others terrible things I'm going to have to do to win a tournament with Modern. Um, so I want to thank him for that. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to thank my uh, my opponents yesterday, my red opponents in the fun- or over the weekend on Saturday for just mulliganing and drawing terribly the last few rounds to allow me to go to Pro Tour because without them, of me doing it, I could not have beaten red that many times. I I left... On cloud nine, I was there was a jubilation because <laughs> I mean every time I play against mountains, I'll text my girlfriend, I'll text my friends, I'm like, all right, I'm dead, you know, it's, it's already done. Like the feature match, did you see the feature match? I don't think they t- they might have talked about it. I was featured against Austin. Did they show any of it? I didn't catch it. Okay, I, I got beaten about it. It couldn't have been more than ten minutes. Um, he, it's just so embarrassing. But so I want to thank. Uh, people for not playing red as much as I thought they were, so I appreciate it. All right, that's all I got. That was, that was, that was long. That was long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Robin, I'm anything, anything you wanna you wanna say before we wrap up? Uh, win the show, Rob. Just uh, that I hope I'm able to qualify for the PT by either doing something useful at the Mox playoffs this weekend or uh, top four in the RPTQ so I can replace Doug and get my t-shirt that I was supposed to have. Supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> it was on the tee. I should have just told him I wasn't going 24 hours later. And then 
shout out to our first track producers, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Jay Thomas Eaton, Derek Pike, Matthew Kelly, Adrian Murchison, Brent Vickers. Uh, super appreciative. And everyone in the First Strike Nation contributing to the modern uh, conversation right now. So if you want to join in, just go to patreon.com slash first strike. And with that, I'll leave it for uh, Doug to finish the show. Just want to give, uh, before I just give the shout out I really want to give, thank my team really quickly. Um, Vidi, uh, Dean McLaren, Rob Anderson, Matt Kelly, and Fournier. Huge shout out to Fournier for the deck. Uh, you know, Great weekend, a lot of laughs, a lot of fun. I don't think that I would have been able to put up a 9-7 with, a, honestly, potential for higher had I not punted as much without them. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to A.O. Paquette for helping me on Limited. I talked with him quite a bit, and uh, I put up a 4-2 in Limited that I just stone-called threw away a match, so I probably should have been a 5-1. It was it was the last round of uh, uh, of the first day. So, you know, thank you for, for your help. And... Um, to the two supporters of First Strike that were at the Pro Tour with me, Matt Kelly, first off, it was his first Pro Tour. And honestly, this guy is a thirst to learn. He was asking the best questions. He knew that Esper Gifts might not be the best choice. Everyone was telling him it wasn't, but he showed up with it anyways just to learn and soak it in and not really take this Pro Tour as like, what can he do in it, but what can he learn from it? And he kept asking me questions and just leveling up. So huge shout out to him. Uh, and then my final and, and huge shout out is to, I think it's pronounced Carl or Carell. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, he was there from First Strike repping, playing Mono Red. We hung out all weekend. And, uh, you know, this guy, he's just such a delight. He's got such a good attitude. And, you know, this might at first sound like shade, but I'm just going to tell you a very quick situation with him. He's playing a match, and he made a really bad end step burn spell cast, and he untapped. He attacked with his hazard, and his opponent said, no, you have two cards in your hand now. And he, like, in that moment, he stopped for a second. He said go, and I watched him just take a deep breath. You know, he's not, you know, played a lot of these deep day two Pro Tour experiences. I think he was at nine and five at this point or something like that maybe it was eight and six and uh you know he just took a deep breath he thought carefully he untapped the next turn and he was in the zone for the rest of the game and i was watching him as i was shuffling for my match just playing really good magic so it reminds me that you know this game is so much more than just the choice you make but it's how you can recompose your mental state take those breaths just focus back in don't worry so much about the past and the mistakes you just made a huge shout out to him and he finished nine seven uh, which I know he's proud of. So I just wanted to give those shout outs to those people and uh, team first strike, first strike nation, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen. We're going to run it up. You'll see. Well, not me, but everyone else. <laughs> All right. Thank, thank you. Uh, Shaheen. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for all. Thanks, thanks again, Shaheen, for coming on the show. Anytime I need you, you're, you're there for me. So I really appreciate it. And I'm sure we'll have you soon because you're, you're going to catch another big tournament. And that's the only reason why you're on here. So that's why we'll be on here next time. So, <laughs> you know you love me. I'd be on here regardless. Come on now. I'm going to be in grayer and still be on here, you know. Okay, fr- friends of Matt, you know, off the top, let's make this, like, one time. Come on. Make, make, make the fans happy. Just one tournament. Have this, like, ultimate control team. There's multiple Team Unified constructed next year. Let's see this team happen. And uh, for all of us, we'll see you next Monday. Ciao, guys. Thanks for watching, and make sure to leave a thumbs up.